How's everybody doing this morning? Little adjustment on the fly here. Turn down some volume. There we go. That's a little bit better. Not getting quite the red uh, uh, pegging out the microphone volume. So a much better, much better place there. Uh, one man show here. Uh, yesterday, I was out quite late last night, so I'm a little bit uh, slow and delinquent this morning uh, getting in here uh, on time for you, mostly, basically. Uh, those of you who are listening later won't know the difference anyway. So, um, but good morning to everybody. I want to, want to wish you a good morning and uh, tell you that I am delighted to be here with you and uh, to share from God's word with you this morning. 
Uh, in the course of 28 hours, I participated in three different prayer gatherings, and uh, we uh, they were powerful times. And uh, share a little bit about those with you as I continue to do a little bit more uh, brushing up on a few things that uh, that I want to share with you. And uh, there we go. Um, I uh, so the first prayer gathering I participated in was down in Portland. Of course, I live in Maine, so as uh, uh, I'm talking about Portland, I'm talking about Portland, Maine, not Portland, uh, Portland, Oregon. I had to think for a second what state that was. Um, and that's not good. I may not share with you what I was thinking I was going to share with you. Uh, but uh, down in, in Portland, and we had believers from uh, several different churches, uh, several different ethnicities uh, gathering together. Not, it's not nothing I organized, just something I was invited to participate in. So I did on Saturday afternoon in the rain at Deering Park. And uh, someone else organized it, and it was a great event, but in the rain. So, you know, probably didn't have quite as big a numbers as we normally would have had or they normally would have had, although it was a first event. Uh, and last week here in the state of Maine, there was legislation that uh, passed the House, uh, basically, you know, uh, a bill allowing abortion up through birth here in the state of Maine. And for nearly any reason, uh, if I understand it correctly, and uh, passed our house. So many people may be feeling a sense of defeat. But when we go back to Acts chapter 12 and consider when James was uh, beheaded and when Paul, uh, not Paul, when Peter was imprisoned, uh, the church could have been saying all kinds of things, uh, kind of like what we do. We whine, we complain, we whimper, we we throw rocks at uh, the, our political adversaries and so on and so forth. And um, But that's not what they did in the book of Acts. When persecution happened or when there was seeming defeat, God's people gathered to pray. And so that's what happened on Sunday afternoon, praying. And we weren't focused so much on the legislation as on so many different needs around the state. I mean, hospitals are... In, in somewhat of a disarray, uh, uh, just because the, all of culture is making it even difficult to to uh, be in healthcare. So we prayed for doctors. We we were thinking about the schools, and you know we're so good at throwing stones at, at the public schools sometimes. But what we did instead of throwing stones is we prayed for the public schools. We prayed for political officials. We prayed for the church. We prayed for ministries. Uh, reaching out to young people, uh, and we prayed for unity. We, we prayed for lots of things. Over three hours of prayer uh, took place in the park down uh, in Portland on Saturday afternoon. We then turned around on Sunday at our church following our morning worship. Uh, we're, we've begun, our elders have been begun hosting something called Potluck and Prayer, and a number of people stayed. Uh, some people stayed just for the food part. They left. 
uh, maybe didn't understand that there was uh, more happening uh, as a part of that. Uh, but then our, our elder chairman, uh, Jake Ojawa, was leading us through an exercise in which we engaged some, some words, some prayers uh, out of some, some prayer books. Uh, and some people go, I don't need a prayer book. That used to be me. I used to say, I don't need a prayer book. Tell me how to pray. I'm, you know, rah, 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 rah. Well, what I've learned is sometimes when you um, engage and use something like uh, a prayer book uh, or words from a prayer book, sometimes what those can do uh, is help you to help you to understand uh, or to pray about, give consideration to things that maybe you otherwise might not consider. Uh, consider. Uh, it goes into places in our soul and, uh, and things of that nature and uh, presses into areas of, of where, that we need to confess. Um, and... So it's a very good practice. It causes us to think about needs in a church that that maybe we need to be thinking about that, that we maybe aren't thinking about uh, as as we could be. So very very good practice in that way, and a very good time praying. Uh, yesterday, we Wendy and I sat with some people who are newer to our church, and you know, anytime you're you're praying with somebody's newer, you're not sure how they're going to feel and whatnot. But it was it was delightful. It was good. God's people are to pray. Uh, that, that's part of being Christian. And so the idea of, well, I, I don't like to pray with other people. Come on now. We're a body. We're, we, we are supposed to pray with other people. It's a calling. It's, it's what we should do. Uh, and it, it's just part of what makes us Christian. And so we should, we should consider engaging uh, in, in prayer uh, in that way with others. So next time that we have um, uh, a prayer gathering like that, I encourage you to come or to stay, to, to be a part uh, if you're able. So we're going to get into the, the text of Scripture here. Uh, we, we are in Acts chapter 17. Let me take us there. Let me tell you the third prayer gathering last night. I gathered with uh, some of our local pastors here in Waldo County, pastors uh, gathering just to encourage each other, and we end up praying around the table. And one man would share, and we would pray for them and their life, and their ministry, and their family. Next guy would share, we'd pray for their 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 life, their ministry, their family. Um, next guy would share, and we, we did that around the table, and, and we were together a couple hours last night praying, and. Uh, Friends, I, I do believe that power is in prayer, and I encourage us to be people of prayer. Now, we are going to be looking at, uh, we're going to be looking at an image here in just a moment. Uh, before I, before I, I read the text, uh, let me take us over to this image, and you can see it. See if anybody knows what this is. Of course, if you're looking at the text, you already know what this is. And it's not maybe the best picture. It's one I just snagged real fast. It's the Areopagus uh, in that part of Greece. 
There's an Areopagus also in Turkey, but this is the one in Greece. This is the famous one that Paul spoke at in Acts 17 that we're going to be reading about today. Uh, according to legend, Greek legend, the hill of Areopagus was given its name because of the trial of Ares, the god of war that took place on top of that hill. He was tried here by the gods of Olympus for the murder of Poseidon's son. Uh, in the first court formed to hear murder charges. That that is that is the uh, that is some of the myth about the Areopagus. And so, in the Areopagus, there were several several gods. It's, it's a prominent rock. Uh, Outcropping located it's in, in the northwest of the Acropolis in Athens. Uh, and just a little bit more detail. The English name in late Latin is a composite form from uh, Arius Pegas, or the Hill of Ares. So uh, Ari, Pegas being hill, uh, Ares being the name. Also referred to in classical times, uh, it was the Athenian governing place, the seat of the Athenian governing council, um, their judicial judicial council, the courts, things of that uh, that nature. That is the Areopagus that you are looking at, uh, and uh, we will we will read further uh, about it. Uh, as we get into uh, into the text here this morning, uh, I got to get the text back up on the screen. So uh, let me do that for us. And here we go. Uh, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, I remember he had been in Thessalonica. He was chased out of there. Uh, he was chased out of Berea. Uh, and so now he is in Athens. He's greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. There were idols everywhere. They, they had all kinds of false gods. So he's looking around at the culture. He says, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks. Uh, have a little bit of a hard time here with talking this morning. Haven't even had a sip of coffee yet. Um, need to get that, so it will help. Um the idea of reasoning, we talked about this some last week. Uh, we we live in a, I, I'm around some Christians, just teach the Bible, just give them the Bible. Well, you know, I, I deeply love the Bible. I completely believe the Bible. Uh, I believe that the Bible from stem to stern in the original languages is the word of God exactly as God intended it to be. But I also see in the Bible uh, man using his reasoning reasoning faculties. And Paul reasoned. I've said before, I think if we're going to have new ministry, fresh ministry in our own city of Belfast near where we live, uh, it's going to require somebody to go in and taking a different approach than veracity is taken or that Calvary is taken or that Faith Temple is taken or even that um, uh, Little River. Even over this weekend, had had missionaries in from the south at Little River Church uh, doing outreach in Belfast. Fantastic. But I think it's going to take something different than the old forms and the old methods or us having a really cool hip worship service 
uh, or really rock solid teaching to reach the people of Belfast. I believe it's going to take reasoning like we're reading about here. Now, listen, I also believe that that some people uh, are beyond reason. You can't reason with some people. Uh, some people are, are going to reject the gospel. Some people are going to reject Christianity not because of the gospel, but because of the way Christianity has been. That's going to happen. But I think we need to consider all the varying approaches at evangelism, uh, and apologi- uh, apologetics is one of those things we need to consider. So when it says that Paul reasoned with them in verse 17, this is the idea of giving an apologia, uh, an apologetic. And uh, so um, being able, are, are you trained? I mean, I would I would encourage myself. I, I need to be better trained. I would encourage church elders, our own church and other church elders, are you equipped to give not a simplistic defense of the gospel, but are you equipped to give a reasoned defense of the gospel? Uh, Things like uh, Josh McDowell's book, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. That's an old book. It's a thicker book, and sometimes it has a lot of detail in it, and there are some more Modern apologists, unfortunately, even though he fell, uh, Ravi Zacharias was one of those in our day who was a, uh, an absolutely incredible uh, apologist from whom we can still learn, even though the man passed away and then it was learned that he uh, had some rather unsavory things going on in his life. Um, nonetheless, his reasoning was powerful, and there are others. Lee Strobel, a little easier reading, The Case for Christ, the, the Case for Faith, The Case for the Resurrection. Those are written by a journalist who's giving a reason. Uh, we need to be able to reason. And, and uh, it's very simplistically, you know, and I used to feel this way too, the Bible said it, that settles it. Uh, well, that, that's, and I agree with the conclusion but it's not a very good pathway of engaging people in dialogue for the gospel. Let's continue on here. It says he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews, the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. I, I want to talk about the marketplace. I mean, he didn't just go to the synagogue. He didn't just go to where religious people were gathered. Now, synagogue, we, we, we want to liken it to churches, well, sort of in some ways there is some analogy, they're analogous in some fashion, but they're not totally the same. But it would be like going into, uh, and I, I won't name them, but there are several churches right here in our area that wear the name church, but they don't preach the gospel. It would be like being invited to go into some of those churches and uh, to, to reason with them. To communicate something they don't hear, they 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 share fluff, uh, they share nice stuff. Maybe uh, they share stuff that that according to human logic makes sense, but is devoid of the power of the gospel. Uh, and, and there are a number of those types of churches in our area. In fact, I would encourage us to pray for uh, one man pastoring uh, who is a believer pastoring one such church. 
that was like that, and he's gone into the church to try to snatch it from the the, the, the jaws of hell, um, and uh, you know lawsuits happening and things of that nature uh, because they're trying to align with Bible and not with culture. Um, and it's a change. Uh, and the former denomination that this church was a uh, a part of is, is suing the church, even though it really doesn't have any grounds. It's suing them, partly because that particular denomination has lost so many churches that said, we reject uh, your current stance on contemporary issues. We will we want to adhere to what the scriptures have to say. Um, so we need to pray. I mean, there, there are some of those things happening right here in our area very quietly, uh, but we need to be praying for those situations. Now, let's continue on. It says this. It says, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Uh, there, again, uh, philosophy that can get in the way. Now, I am a philosopher. That is my, that is a title that I do wear. There are Christian philosophers. There are Epicurean philosophers. There are Stoic philosophers. There are pagan philosophers in our day. Uh, and we need to have philosophers in the public square uh, as Paul was in the marketplace. You and I, as we go into the marketplace, we're called to share there as well. So some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods, and they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. This is a God, Jesus, a God of whom they had never heard before, and so that is why they're saying foreign gods. They had never heard of Jesus. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus, the resurrection. It says in verse 19, they took him and brought him to a meeting in the Areopagus where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ear, ears, and we want to know what they mean. Now, at this point, they may not have been um, angry. They may not have been violent. Uh, in fact, to get to go into the Areopagus is a large, large area. I showed you the picture of the Areopagus. Uh, it's a large, large area where they have, had their councils and where they did a lot of debating and they had their uh, uh, TED Talks of their day, whatever they may have called them. I mean, they would have philosophers speak and whatnot. So they're inviting Paul to do what they invited others to do. And, uh, and it says, actually, in verse 21, it says, All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. I mean, they were, they were into trends. They were into culture. They were into things that were happening uh, in their area. So they were interested in these things. And, and I would say uh, perhaps Belfast is like that in some ways or prides itself on uh, being so open to so many things, but yet maybe even close to Christianity. So what happens? Let's read down through this. It says that Paul stood up in the meeting, the Areopagus, and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are in every way very religious. I just want to comment on the fact here of something that Paul did. Now, I'll read another verse or two, then I want to comment. It says, For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. 
if if we're going to be effective evangelists, if we're going to be effective apologists, if we're going to conduct effective ministry in a nation that is considered post-Christian with a post-modern, in fact, we're probably post-postmodern in our thinking at this point in time, um, we need to understand culture. We understand where it is, where it's going, how it's gotten, where it's going, so that we can address it and be intelligent about it. Uh, again, I, I, many, including myself, along the way, we would be ones who would uh, say, you know, well, the Bible says it. We need to do better than that. We uh, missiologists uh, would tell us that we need to be not only students, exegetes, uh, studiers, uh, exegete means one who studies uh, thoroughly, who thoroughly studies scripture, but we need to also be exegetes of culture. We need to understand the culture around us. Now, that doesn't mean that we kowtow to the culture. That doesn't mean that we give in to the culture. That doesn't mean that we go along to, with the culture. But it means that we learn where the culture is so we speak to the culture where it's at. Um, that's what I mean. You know, and to be an exegete of Belfast. What is Belfast really like? Now, yeah, we have the Christian community, and, and what I tend to have noticed in my, you know, 13-plus years here are people, uh, there's a lot of shuffling of saints, and there are some new conversions, new salvations, and things like that. Praise God that those things happen. Uh, but we need to see more. And if we're going to see more, we need to learn to become exegetes of the culture as Paul was. And why do I say that? You look at him. He says in verse 22, I see that you are in every way religious. He noted, he saw, he uh, he was circumspect. Um, it says in verse 23, as I walked around, look carefully at your objects of worship. That is what an exegete does, looks carefully at the objects of worship. And then he noted this one. And so he's he's using their own situation. He's using their own culture as a springboard into the gospel. He said, I found this inscription to an unknown God. He says, now what you worship is something unknown. I am going to proclaim to you. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment. Grab your cup of coffee if you have one. I'm going to grab a little, a little swig of my coffee just to get my voice rejuvenated again to, to finish out our time together here. So grab that cup of coffee, and let's just have a little sip together. Tasty. Coffee with just a little bit of cinnamon in it. Very good. Now, let's continue on. Uh, I may go a little bit longer this morning than, than the 30 minutes. It says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands, like the temples that they would have had in Athens in that day. Uh, he said he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every uh, nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth Speaking about Adam, he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Speaking about the sovereignty of God. He says, God did this so that men would seek him and per perhaps reach out to him and find him. 
though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your prophets have said, and not prophets, your own poets, see now him alluding to poetry. Some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill as those various idols they had around them. It says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some sneered. Others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed, among them Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus council, and a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So some believed at that point. But verse 30, God commands people to repent. Uh, There is clear, absolute, unequivocal evidence that has been provided historically down through history about the resurrection of the dead and the numbers, the the, the billions of people who have believed in Christ. Uh, They continue to provide that evidence and that witness. And so we call the world to, um, to believe same thing that that, uh, that Paul is communicating here. This is the gospel. Now, again, there are people who responded, people who obeyed. Now, we'll pick up tomorrow and see what happened, what else happened in the circumstance. But here we see Paul in the marketplace. We need to be equipped not only for ministry in a church, but we need to be equipped for ministry in a marketplace. Uh, some of you work jobs in places, uh, and you're in a marketplace. We shop in a marketplace, and, and not that we have to go in with a sandwich board, uh, carrying a sandwich board, saying, repent, lest you perish, but how do we go in and engage people in dialogue, engage people in conversation? I mean, it would be like, and I, I have not done this. I've had this thought, um, going in and getting a table and sitting there, and hey, I, 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 I'd be glad to talk about Jesus at, at the uh, United Farmers Market in Belfast on Saturdays to sit there for several hours. I'd be glad to pray with you. I'd be glad to talk with you um, and just drink coffee with people and engage with people. Who knows what would happen if somebody would do something like that? Powerful things could happen. We need to be not only exegetes of the scriptures, students, but also exegete students of culture so that we can intelligently engage it. Well, there were some prayer requests that were given there, and uh, I want us to go ahead and pray our way out. Lord, help us today to be good exegetes, good students of Scripture, but also help us to learn to be good exegetes of culture. Help us to be good uh, witnesses for the Lord Jesus and how we live and our conduct that people wouldn't point to Christians yet again and go, that's why I don't follow Christ because of you people and the way that you live. Lord, help us. Lord, for these medical needs that were mentioned earlier, particularly uh, from our own church family, Josh and his family, we pray for them, uh, that uh, you would watch over them as Josh undergoes procedures the next few days. 
uh, and that, Lord, you would use this in a mighty way in their lives to show, uh, to, to bring some life change in areas that perhaps you want to bring life change, but also to strengthen their faith. May their faith be strengthened and others that were mentioned as well. Father, would you would you just uh, give, uh, bring healing and the support of the body of Christ. And Lord, for lots of churches that are looking for pastors or don't have pastors around the state of Maine, churches need to change in some of their ways. And Lord, we pray that you would raise up lots of pastors who are equipped uh, to exegete scripture, to exegete the church culture, to exegete the community, to exegete the broader culture, uh, and bring the gospel uh, to these churches. Lord, we pray, raise up many young men uh, for ministry, raise up many young women for ministry, and older men and older women as well, uh, who upon whom you would place your hand and would call them into your service. Lord, help us today to live walking with Jesus, loving you, knowing you, enjoying you, and bringing you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, it was good to be with you today. We'll pick back up in Acts chapter 18 tomorrow. Have a fantastic day.